This is Horsepower Happenings. Every once in a while, you get to the racetrack, and that pesky little bug crawls up and bites you, and you go, man, I ought to dust off my driver's seat. No, I'll I'll never go back. uh, I'll never go back to full-time racing. I'm too old. I mean, there's there's some guys older than me still doing it. God bless them. Distinguished news, industry insight, and exclusive interviews. We wrapped it up at the end of last year. I will tell you this. We are going to run. You're the first person that's actually been told this officially. With Zach Heiser. Here comes Jared Horstman to the inside. He's got Max Stambaugh picked off. He's around Chase Ryan now. Jared Horstman up to third down the back straightaway. And Rich France. The number 11 Hilliker machine does have a flat right front tire, uh, some body damage. He may be able to come down into the hot pit and uh, replace his tire and get back out. Michigan Short Track Racing Authority. This is Travis Stemler. Joe Westbrook, driver of the Hills Racing 47 This is Barry Marlowe. This is 14-time ARCA champion Ron Allen. This is three-time dirt car UMP national champion Rusty Schlink. And this is Horsepower Happenings. Good evening, race fans, and welcome into Horsepower Happenings on a beautiful Monday night. I know what the weather forecast says. I know what's coming on Tuesday night, but... By God, we're going racing this weekend because the weekend doesn't look bad. That's all I'm going to (laughs) say. Let's get into a very busy night of racing. We have so much to talk about. Two fantastic interviews lined up in a brand new segment debuting tonight. But first, let's take a look at what's happening in a Motor City Minute. When Alex Bowman picked up the win at Richmond in the NASCAR Cup Series on Sunday, it was the first win for the number 48 car since Jimmy Johnson last drove it to victory at Dover in June of 2017. It was also the first Hendrick Motorsports win at Richmond since 2008 when it was won by Jimmy Johnson. Just announced last week, Tri-City Motor Speedway and Merritt Speedway will delay their opening nights by one week due to the cold temperatures. The All-Star Performance Late Model Challenge Series, supported by Soaring Eagle Casino and Resorts, will now kick off the 2021 season at both tracks on April 30th and May 1st. The originally scheduled dates of April 23rd and 24th are now marked as test and tune dates for each track. And here's a fun note. Out of Nashville, Michigan Bandolero drivers Joel Smith and Mason Surgener picked up wins Saturday night at Nashville Fairground Speedway as part of the Starkey U.S. Legends Major. Their wins have punched a ticket to the Nationals in October. Those things and much more happening tonight. Good evening. I'm Zach Heiser. Rich France joins me. Good evening, sir. How are you? Oh, I'm, I'm thought out now. I, would, I am patiently waiting to go to a racetrack in a golf shirt, Zach. And I, <laughs> uh, Friday night did not help that. <laughs> Aren't you glad that the uh, apparel department at Horsepower Happenings got you a jacket? <laughs> yes, it was, it, it, that wasn't enough. No, yeah, exactly. I, I, I think I think when we uh, I think when the uh, uh, Great Lakes Super Sprints were pulling off the track, it read thirty nine degrees. Uh, I don't know that I've. It's been a long time since I've been a track at thirty nine degrees. Hey, they were making a lot of horsepower Friday night. Tell us, uh, we had to send you on the road because I was otherwise indisposed, and so uh, you got a chance to go watch the Great Lakes Super Sprint season opener. Yeah, Zach and. Uh, Ryan Rule would use multiple caution flags to his benefit and conquer the chilly temperatures uh, to pick up the win on Friday night in the Great Lakes Super Sprint season opener at I-96 Speedway. Uh, The cold water Michigan native would methodically work his way into the top three early in the event from his ninth starting position, uh, closing the gap on the leaders using timely caution flags. Uh, Dustin Daggett and Phil Gressman would lead the field to green with Gressman rocketing out to the early lead Daggett seemed to have issues getting a hold of the chilly surface as he faded back early. The overall fast qualifier would then be involved in contact, which would send him spinning off the front stretch. Damage to the left front of his 85 machine would end Daggett's night 
early. The defending GLS Series champion uh, Jared Horseman would also drift back after charging into the top three early from his eighth starting position. Multiple cautions and a red flag would keep the 24-car field fairly bunched together throughout the first half of the 25-lap feature event. But it was on the final restart. It was go time for Rule. He would use the bottom of the 410th bullring to rocket past Max Stambaugh and set his sights on Gressman. Rule would finally track down Gressman once again using the bottom, roar past the race-long leader, and drive away. And, Zach, um, I caught up with Ryan to talk about his performance afterwards. Man, first of all, started ninth, had to come through almost half the field, and you park it in victory lane. First of all, what does that mean? Your car looked awfully awesome tonight. It, the crew uh, really hooked me up. Um, I figured we'd be pretty good, but I, uh, I figured I had to be patient, and uh, we'd have a pretty good shot at the end. And then towards the middle, uh, the car got questionable, but uh, I just kept plugging away, and the car came to me, and it, it all worked out. You worked your way up, and what I noticed is that thing was a rocket ship on the bottom. That's where you made your time all night. Yeah, I, I played around with the top, and it was so sketchy and I couldn't really make up any ground so I figured it'd be a little safer and uh, I was all out of other ideas so yeah the bottom really worked out for us. How, how did the cautions work for you? I talked to Ricky and he said he didn't like him at all. He thought he thought he had a better car and, and they were kind of holding him. How did they work for you? Did they help you a little bit to get up into that into the top three? Yes yeah they definitely did. Um, yeah well, it felt like on the starts, on the restarts, the car would just be hooked up and go, but it felt like the longer we went, it started to fade a little bit. So I, I wasn't disappointed when uh, we'd see the caution. I know it would take off from the get-go. Not a bad way to start with the season opener, parking in victory lane. Um, Smith Motorsports team got to be thrilled tonight. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm super happy for the crew. We've been uh, having some rough luck, and the, they've been having to work on a lot of race cars, so I'm super relieved to uh, hopefully pay it off a little bit for them. And I think probably what's pretty cool, your brand new baby in victory lane for the first time, that's gotta feel good. It, it feels awesome, yeah. I uh, got a lot of comments on I better win for her. So uh, yeah, pretty pretty special to uh, have a good luck charm and uh, get Tilly your first win. Ryan, who all helps you out on, on this car? Oh, it's all the Smith Motorsports team. They, they do everything, they do all the work, they, I'm just, lucky enough to meet him at the track and get to sit in the car. Congratulations, man. Awesome run tonight. <laughs> Thank you very much. And Zach, uh, in the closing laps, the battle really got good uh, behind Rule as Horseman and Ricky Peterson would race their way to podium finishes. Horseman did seem to find some speed late as he began to real Rule in, but just ran out of time. I tracked down uh, Jared to debrief his up and down night. You had to come from eighth, you get, you got up in the top three early and it kind of looked like you kind of stalled out there for a little while. Yeah, I, I think, um, uh, you, you know, we got we got a little stagnant once we got into third. Uh, I, I don't think I wanted to see those, those cautions. Um, we, were, we, were, we were pretty good when we got into lap traffic, caught, caught Max and Phil both. Um, and looking, looking really to, to take the lead and, and a caution come out, but um, you know, uh, Ryan come up through there after the after the caution, and uh, I hate giving up positions, but um, you know you, you can't win them all. And you know what what 
better guy to battle with than the, the, the two guys that won four shows last year, um, you know, each. So that that was that was really neat. Um, then it ended up back back to fourth and coming back to second uh, in, uh, I think, a pretty interesting race if you were sitting in the grandstands. I know from my, my perspective, it was pretty, pretty fun. So it um, would have been pretty cool to watch. And I, I was going to say that you kind of fell back after you got in the top three. And on that long last run, 12 laps, whatever yep. it was, you were able to, it seemed like your car got better and that's what got you yeah, back a second. Yeah, I think, um, I think, like I said, the tires, you got to get some heat in them. The car's, the car's working better. Early I was a little tight and the burn the fuel load off, but a lot of those guys could roll the bottom of three and four and I just couldn't make it happen. Um, tried a few times and I was kind of committed to the top. Um, and, and then late really, uh, it started, started working for me and uh, rolled the bottom of one and two and, and uh, kept, you know, kept the car planted and, 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 and made our way back into the, the top in the second, but uh, maybe a lap or two a little short. Yep. Not a bad night though. First night, right. first night out with the Great Lakes Super Sprint, season opener, chilly night. Everybody knows <laughs> it, it was awfully cold here at I-96 yep. tonight, but not a, way to, not a bad way to start out the season. No, definitely. Um, you know, we got a long off season and uh, the way COVID uh, kind of screwed up the year last year, um, a little extra time to work on race cars and, uh, you know, get prepared. So, you know, we don't travel to Florida. Uh, we don't do a whole lot before, before season uh, locally starts. So, uh, to pull it out of the box for the top three, podium finish, I'll take it. Not a bad way yep. to defend your championship. Thank you. And Zach, uh, normally you would think that any driver that would make the podium following a feature event uh, would be in pretty good spirits. That was not the case with Ricky Peterson, and I caught up with Ricky to get his thoughts. What a night. It just seemed like none of you guys could really get in the flow with all those cautions. Yeah, you know, um, that's part of the race. Uh, you know, everybody has to deal with them. Uh, we were definitely better on the green flag runs, but um, that's part of it. I'm sure some people were happy to see him, and there's people like us that didn't want to see him, you know, so... Um, it's uh, just part of racing. Kind of worked out in the end for you. Um, it was a good battle. You guys had a nice 10, 12 lap run at the end, and you're able to work your way around Max. Yeah, I knew that we were good. Um, you know, the beginning of the race, I I made some mistakes, and I put ourselves in a really bad position. And um, you know, we were good enough to. I feel like we were good enough to compete for a win, and um, I kind of gave that away. So extremely frustrating, but um, I guess good to get back to third. But uh, you know, in racing, it's never enough. You always want more. All in all, first night, Great Lakes Super Sprints in 2021. Pick up a heat win and a podium finish. Not all bad to go home. Yeah, not all bad. It's just, uh, you know how it is when you're racing. You always want more. Who all do you got to thank for your third uh, place? Yeah, uh, you know, uh, first off, my family. Um, my girlfriend, Zach Holloway, he works uh, extremely hard. Uh, you know, he had the car really good. I'd be uh, very frustrated with me if I was him right now, you know. Um, and you know sour mugs tavern five angle construction um you know, the, there's a, a bunch of people behind the scenes that that really do help out and make it happen you know and i'm, I'm extremely thankful for them uh and you know tim denning and and gary benjamin and stan cortez and every you know everybody that does a little bit here and a little bit there and um you know it all helps out and it, it all uh really makes it go around so um, i'm just really thankful to be in the uh, opportunity and, and position that i'm in i just uh want to make the most of these nights you know all right good luck ricky nice job tonight thank you i really appreciate it and zach uh so all in all a great opening night for gloss uh just for the record books gressman zane devault stambaugh and peterson did pick up the heat wins 
uh, Kobe Allison picked up the last chance race win. And, uh, and we got to give a big shout out to our guest last week, Chase Ridenauer. Uh, Chase, who charged from his 19th starting position to finish sixth and, and picked up the, uh, the hard charger award. Uh, so like I said, Zach, could have been slightly warmer, but a great <laughs> night nonetheless. And now GLS, GLSS will move on to Wayne County Speedway in Orville, Ohio this Saturday. I'm looking forward to going down there. I've never been to Wayne County, and uh, I'm actually going to get a chance to go down and check things out on Saturday night. So I'm looking forward to that for sure. Champion Racing Association kicked off their point season Saturday night with the CRA Late Model Sportsmen and the uh, CRA Street Stocks at Anderson Speedway. And both series took to the high bank quarter mile for 75 laps, <clears throat> excuse me, to kick off the 2021 season uh, again from Anderson Speedway. Uh, the multi-time Anderson Speedway track champion took the lead. That's Jeff Markham, who dominated the race on his way to victory lane. And he was untouchable throughout several restarts and long runs. It was Markham's eighth career that's right, eighth career CRA uh, late model sportsman victory. And it was, uh, as well, his seventh at Anderson. You're telling me eight overall wins and seven of them are coming at Anderson Speedway? I think somebody's got that racetrack figured out. <laughs> yeah, one trick pony? No. <laughs> oh, man. What a nice job there by, uh, by, by that man. So the Vores Welding Late Model Sportsman, they will move on, by the way, to Mount Lawn Speedway coming up next month on May 23rd, their next event. Uh, should also tell you the CRA... Uh, the uh, CRA Street Stocks, that would be the CRA Van Hoy Oil uh, Street Stocks. They saw a dominating effort in their feature as well. Former series champion Jason Atkinson used a long run to the finish to build up a big lead and score his 10th career win with the series. Atkinson, no stranger to success at Anderson himself. He now has 13 wins at the facility between CRA Street Stocks and Late Model Sportsman. And uh, really glad to see some good car counts for CRA there in Late Model Sportsman and in Street Stock. Yeah, Zach, and we'll stay on the pavement uh, for just a minute. Uh, 19 Budweiser Super Late Models made up the starting field for the 71-lap season-opening icebreaker at the Berlin Raceway. An eight-car invert uh, for fast qualifier Brian Campbell, who turned a 15.967, uh, put Scott Thomas and Boris Yurkovic on the front row. In the end, uh, it was the Chicago native Yurkovic who would sail to a two-second lead and go on to take home the $5,000 payday. Uh and to note, with no power steering for 65 of those laps. So, uh, you know, his arms were tired Unbelievable. by the time he got finished. Um, uh, White would finish ahead of Rorig uh, for second, while Tom Thomas and Brian Campbell completed the top five. Lauren Bush, Joe Bush, uh, Samantha Stewart, Evan Shatko, and Blake Rowe, in his template debut, rounded out the top ten. And in preliminary action, Tom McCarthy would take feature number one, for the auto value four cylinders, while Corey Holtzlander took the checkers in feature number two. Brian Tomey and Ryan Holtzlander took wins for the Coors Light Sportsman features, while Tim DeVos and Scott Root uh, captured checkers in the late limited late model. Uh, the model cover all limited late models. That's a that's all that's a tough name to say. Yeah, out. it is. It's a it's a mouthful. Hey, let's take a look at some results from around the area. We go over these results and uh, we take a look at them for uh, for you, the fans, 
And uh, there was a lot of racing this weekend, actually, uh, and we're excited to get even more racing around the area as well. Let's start on Friday night. Winston Speedway back in action, and they had a full show of late models, IMCA modifieds, pro late models back in action as well. Um, our buddy, the friend of the program, Travis Stemler, the Ionia Outlaw, going back to Victory Lane. I'm happy that I was able to get him dubbed the Ionia Outlaw. Uh, Travis Stemler in Victory Lane, just ahead of Brandon Thoroughby, who we'll talk to coming up. Greg Gokey finished third, Ryan Vanderveen fourth, and Mike Vandermark Jr. rounded out the top five there in late models. In IMCA Modifieds, Mitchell Hunt, another friend of the program, picked up the win ahead of Austin Wanch, Brody Bowser, Cody Johnson, and Kevin Cavanaugh. And just an update, still just four late models for their uh, pro late model division, but Taylor Wiles picked up the win ahead of Brad Bates, Joe, I believe it's Carmen, and Jordan uh, Dalkey were making up the field there. Elsewhere, Springport, we talked about the uh, big event that they had coming up on Saturday night for the Modifieds, powered by NOS Energy. Tom Rutherford picked up the win out of Bangor, Michigan in that 70X machine. He was basically untouchable all night. So uh, Rutherford with the win. Walt, is it Obrinsky Jr., I believe, in second. Matt Dimmitt in third. John Gearhart fourth. And Dominic Van Weird. Weird. Oh, I almost had it, Rich. Darn yes, it. did. Van Weirengen, I believe. Weirengen. Weirengen? All right. See, I knew you would know. I knew you would know. Uh, anyhow, rounded out the top five. Aaron Taylor uh, finishing in sixth, by the way, and a, a tough day for our friend of the program that we brought on uh, last week. As a matter of fact, I don't even see him in the uh, final results here talking about Aaron Taylor. Uh, let me see here. Oh, I just mentioned him. Aaron Taylor finishes sixth. Who am I? What am I doing? I don't know. <laughs> Uh, so Aaron Taylor finishes sixth. Other results from the weekend. Thunderbird Raceway was able to get their season underway with a full show featuring late models and uh, modifieds. And it was none other than uh, the driver of the 23V machine, Ryan Vanderveen, who goes to Victory Lane as, I don't know, or do you think we're going to see another situation where Ryan Vanderveen starts dominating some races, Rich? Um, I don't know about that. It's nice to see him get in victory lane early. I know the first couple of events, um, he wasn't overly pleased with that car, especially yeah. the first season opener at Winston. He was not happy with it. But uh, they must have worked some, took that thing back to the shop and found something because he was awfully strong down there at Thunderbird. Yeah, he dominated that race, started on the pin, and went to victory lane. Andy Sprague finished second. Mike Vandermark coming from ninth to finish third. Greg Goki fourth. How about Rich Neeser from 11th up to fifth? Travis Stemler from 10th to 6th. Nick Kurtz fell back to 7th. Uh, Brandon Thurlby, 8th. Ninth belonged to Dan Wallace and Logan Nickerson rounded out the top 10. Four results over the weekend. That's a little bit of a highlight of what we've got. Well, Rich, it is time now for a brand new segment here on Horsepower Happening. So let's get into it. It's time for a fantastic new segment. So we bring in one of the Michigan Motorsports Hall of Famers for... Gary, did you know? Of course you know, cause knowing's what you do. Gary, did you know, we know you know, and we like to know it too. It's Gary Lindahl, did you know, here on Horsepower Happenings. Oh, come on, give it to me. It's good to be back, man, I mean, you know. I guess I should give you a little bit of that. It's my favorite time of the night. Yes, sir. Fantastic. I well, should Ri do that. <laughs> Rich, I, I know. A little quick. 
I know that uh, Rich, you were really happy about getting this to happen. Yeah, this this is awesome. You know, we uh, Gary and I talked back and forth for a little while about this, and then finally he said, you know, if we're gonna just go ahead and do this once a month throughout the race season, he goes, uh, I'll, be, I'll be willing to do it. And I said, that's so we kind of worked everything out how we're going to get it together. And uh, Gary, my friend, great to have you on the program and part of the Horsepower Happenings. Well, and uh, I will have to tell you, the quiz is not going to be easy because you guys do a lot of the current stuff nowadays. This is all about the history of auto racing, and that's what the quiz started with. Believe it or not, 45 years ago, 1976 is when I did the first quiz, which, by the way, gentlemen, I'm going to go back to that Mark Times and look it up. Uh, I want to get back uh, from our Florida trip, and hopefully maybe in July or August, we can repeat that very first quiz. I think that would be kind of neat to go back and look at that. Man, that would be something, too, to, to get back into that. Well, and Gary, I do want to echo that we're really happy to have you here and, and happy to do this. And, man, I'm glad that we can get this revived. And I know a lot of people are, are excited about it. So, Gary, what do you know? Tell us what you know, and we'll try to guess and see if we know. Okay. Well, the because uh, it started it all uh, in the Mark Times, your first question is what month? And what year was the Mark Times first published? And what does Mark stand for? That's your first question. And just so they, just so everybody knows, Mark M A R C. That so, is correct. Uh, so it, everybody can uh, kind of now that when they're listening tonight, they can all be in hanging around and trying to come up with what that is. No googling, everybody. Work work your brains a little bit. Yeah, first, you got to okay? do it the right way. Do it yeah, the right way. Work the brain. That's all right, what this is all about. All right, Gary, what else you got for us? Okay, question number two, because he talked me into doing this segment for you guys over many beers. <laughs> uh, it's a little more current. How many years did Rich France race? You can't get in on this, Rich. <laughs> no, but, you know, we've, we've discussed. You can't get in on this. Anybody who's a regular listener to the program, we have discussed this on the show, so... Um, now you can Just go back saying. and listen to you can go go back and uh, go back to the archives and listen to all the programs and and you can probably come up with it. But uh, yes, how many years did uh, I race with ARCA at Flat Rock and Toledo Speedway? There you go. Question number three: Who is the only driver to win the Glass City 200 in an Outlaw Late Model and win the fastest short track show in the world? in a super modified at Toledo Speedway. And I just want to say, if it wasn't for the fact that uh, we are provided answers for these as well, the host of this program wouldn't even know some of these. They're, these are good questions. <laughs> well, you see, there you go. See, and we're trying to provide a little bit of history for you. And I and I could have guessed, but I didn't, I didn't know the answer to this one. But um, this is going to be a tough one because it would have taken me probably three or four guesses to probably get it right. Yeah. And there's some good choices in there too. <laughs> now this next Andy. one, Gary. This next one, Gary. I would have totally not had, and I still wouldn't have it if if I didn't know. But go ahead and give us the fourth one. Well, I'll tell you the reason I put this in there because, believe it or not, I was actually at that race. Okay. So the final question number four is. So this is like a Ben Hur thing, or what? It is pretty much like a Ben Hur thing. <laughs> what? What? future superstar driver 
was a rookie in the 1958 Indianapolis 500 that Gary Lindahl attended. All right, there you go. You have your questions. That is fantastic. I know. I know. I'm not. I know. I wasn't alive then. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, when I said 45 years, probably a lot of your listeners weren't born yet either. So. Well, it's fantastic. The whole thing, but anyway, you know, it's fun to be back doing this again, and I hope everybody enjoys this segment because uh, it's all about history. There's not going to be anything easy about it, and if you got to yeah. Google it, well, what the heck? But you can think about it. But I'm sure maybe there's some listeners out there that kind of in the age group that uh, that I'm in now that uh, would remember some of these. But like I said, it's a history lesson. You guys do the current stuff right now on horsepower happenings and a lot of that current stuff. And to be honest with you, I understand you're going to have Brandon Thurlby on tonight. And I've actually had beers with Brandon. That doesn't surprise me. So. That doesn't surprise me at all. <laughs> I, I wonder. I, I wonder how many people we could. Surprise me that Lindahl had beers with everybody. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Well, Gary, yeah, man, yeah. I, I I appreciate it. And uh, again, for you listening tonight or whenever you're listening, find the post on the Horsepower Happenings Facebook page and drop your answers in that post. And uh, if you've got them right, you'll be entered into a chance uh, to win some great prizes. And Gary, we'll look forward to uh, hearing from you in in about a month or so, and then we'll uh, announce these answers next week right here on the show. That'll be awesome. Thank you, guys. Appreciate Appreciate it. it. And one one thing before you uh, go, one thing before you go, uh, because we we have to do this, uh, because if we don't, Rich will be in trouble and I'll be in trouble. Um, You know, as we talk about the history of Gary Lindahl, Scott Scott Schultz, uh, the general manager at Flat Rock and Toledo Speedway, says, you can't do this, you can't talk to Lindahl unless you ask him about a famous interview that he had with Ray Bernard. Um, So I, I need you to tell me a little bit about that before we let you go. Well, I I don't know if I can uh, actually. It was one of those things that Ray uh, that Ron Drager talked me into, and Ray Bernard <clears throat> won the feature this night at Flat Rock. However, he wasn't really enamored with Jeff Bramer, who was a flagman at the time. <laughs> so the flagman, and there was a little fender bender going on, and even though Bernard won it, Jeff kept waving the black flag at him, or not waving it, but pointing it doing all that kind of stuff and pointing at him and it's a whole race. So I, I go down to interview Ray Bernard and the first thing out of his mouth says, if that little SOB comes <laughs> near me, I'm going to grab that flag and you know what he's going to do with it. Oh yeah. And if it, I couldn't get them. I finally, after five minutes of ranting and raving and a lot of swearing, I grabbed the microphone from Ray and goes, okay, you're done. I walked back up to the tower, and Ron Drager's just looking at me like a little kid, and I went, thanks, Ron. Really appreciate that one. But, I mean, it was, one of, it was one of those times, and he just wouldn't stop. And Ray and I were good friends. And we were both in the same league together. We were good friends, but it was just one of those times that he was about ready to kill the flagman, and he let everybody in the county know it. That is fantastic. Well, on on my microphone. That is awesome. Well, Gary, hopefully we get a chance to hear you soon at a racetrack. As we know, Flat Rock and Toledo are getting underway soon, and uh, you'll be up there here in just a couple of weeks. So we'll look forward to that. And uh, we appreciate you joining us for uh, your new version of Did You Know? Well, all righty, gentlemen. See ya. Well, and while we have this idea in our minds about France and Lindahl, uh, Rich, we should mention that Flat Rock getting ready to open their season next week, as we mentioned. Um, but things are just a little bit different as we get the early part of the season underway. 
Yeah, they're going to get one more practice uh, test and tune day in uh, this weekend on Saturday. And then uh, on Saturday, May 1st, they'll open up a little bit different this year than in years past. Um, typically, Flat Rock gets a 7 p.m. start time, 4 p.m. start times at Flat Rock for the month of May. Um, and no pre-sale tickets. So tickets will go on sale two hours before race time. Um, and that is to keep people from gathering excessively gathering early uh, at the racetrack. So get them there as late as you can and get them out as quick as you can. Uh, the pit, the the gate between the pits and the main grandstands will be locked. So there will be no going in the pits afterwards to socialize with your favorite driver. Um, obviously we can't do that yet. We know for obvious reasons, but, uh, but yeah, so you want to, you want to hit opening night at Flat Rock, got to get there two o'clock. Uh, the ticket office opens and then, um, you know, race time will be at 4 p.m. Should be out of there at a reasonable time in the daylight, maybe even, Zach. How's oh, that? way to go. The Rich France curse. Man, this show's <laughs> moving right along. Uh, we will be out of here by XYZ o'clock. <clears throat> Folks, if you've never worked with Rich France, just know he cursed you all. Uh, opening night is going to be a good one. It's going to be entertaining. And because it's going to be so entertaining, you're probably going to be there until dark. Uh, so <laughs> oh, man. Thanks, Zach. Appreciate that one. Well, Rich, it's uh, our pleasure now to get into our first interview on the night. We have uh, kind of a super late model theme going on this week. Last week, we had the modified theme. This week, we're doing super late model stuff. And when you're talking super late models in this division, Rich, you got to put outlaw before it. Let us know who we're talking to. Well, Zach, uh, he drives the Duco Performance GT Products number four outlaw super late model. He was the 2019 super late model champion at Kalamazoo. And he's getting ready to kick off his 2021 season. Uh, makes his home in St. Joseph, Michigan. Adam Terry, welcome to Horsepower Happenings. Hey, Rich, Zach, thank you guys both for having me. Man, a lot of news uh, this offseason regarding the Outlaws. You have to be pretty pumped uh, after what we had to go through in 2020 to get your 2021 season started. Yeah, you know, the, the 2020 season was going to be a good season, I think, for Outlaws. Uh, I think everybody stepped up a little more and the 2021 season really looks like it could be pretty action-packed all around the area. So I kind of put together a big list of, of every available outlaw race I can find. And, and there's some weeks we could definitely be busy and have a lot of fun. Now, you were up at Corrigan Oil Speedway testing this weekend. Uh, obviously, Tom and Tracy Hernley taking over the reins up there. And one of the first things they do is get outlaws back there at, uh, at Corrigan Oil. And not just for a couple specials, uh, eight big races for the Unleashed uh, Northside Towing.net, Big Eight Super Late Model Series. Uh, talk to me about that, and and because I, I know you're planning on running those events. So really excited to see Tom Hernley involved. Uh, you know, I think that's going to be a great deal for the Speedway. Uh, yeah, I personally haven't ever run Spartan, so I'm excited to get to go to a new track and get some laps in. Uh, you know, it was there back in the mid 90s watched my brother run modified some and you know so sunday was actually my first my first trip to the track in well probably 20 years or more um so excited to get over there you know fun little place i enjoyed my practice uh learned quite a bit and, and looking forward to seeing how many of those races that we're able to get over there and and take part in well so uh, yeah let's dive into that a little bit i mean your experience in in outlaw cars is is pretty good um obviously i think a lot of folks know you from kalamazoo a, a tight little bull ring what did you learn what were you able to compare uh, how do you think you're going to fare there at, uh, at corrigan oil 
it's a tough track. I think it's pretty technical. Uh, you know, I, I felt I was missing in a couple little areas. Uh, you know, glad I got to go over and practice and pick up on some things, think about for the next week here till we get back, uh, see if we can get some improvements in the car too. Uh, you know, compared to Kalamazoo, it's, it's a different animal. I can tell, you know, it's got some similarities to new Paris and a little bit South Bend, just on the smaller side of things. Um, you know, I, I think it's going to be a good group. The, the guys coming over, sounds like it's a good group of late models showing up for this first one. So, what what are your thoughts about the reinvestment uh, for for Corrigan Oil in outlaw cars? I mean, we have talked about, as Rich alluded to, we've talked about this division a lot, and kind of the wave that it's on, and it does feel like we're riding that wave back toward the top for outlaw cars right now. There's there's a lot of uh, attention around that division this year. There's a lot of attention in that division. I think. You know, there's track owners, uh, there's former racers back involved with, with series and organizations who have a heart in the outlaws, you know, myself included. I, I, I've i been around the template racing. I've been around, you know, big car racing. Uh, the outlaws hold a special place to me. They're just, to me, they're cool. They're fun. Uh, you know, we, we get to have a little bit of freedom in our bodies and some of the stuff we get to try to do. You know, I think so that has a big part of it. I think there's some series coming along that that there's making a push for outlaws. I think the fans are have expressed they like the speed, they they like the looks. Um, you know, and I think for the most part when we show up places, the outlaw group shows up, they they put on pretty good shows. And the other thing too is uh, there's not uh, there there's there's some pretty good money <laughs> that could be on the line this year for some of those outlaw shows. It's not like you guys are showing up for pennies um, to to run in front of fans. There's actually been a literal reinvestment in this division. There's been it's been nice to see. There's uh, several tracks the the unleashed race paying paying very well. Uh, every one of their races at Corgan Oil. Speedway looks like it's going to have a great payoff. Uh, he's doing some things to try to help keep our costs down uh, as well as, as increase his purses, which is wonderful. You know, some of the other tracks I think might fall a little bit of suit there trying to up some of the payoffs, which is great, you know, and you're not seeing tracks just, just pay off better at the top. They're, they're paying off better throughout the field, which is great. Now, Adam, um, you know, Zach and I have talked over the last couple of years about this outlaw late model division. And, you know, whenever, anytime somebody wanted to do it like a one-off, you would get eight, nine, 10 cars, which, which didn't seem like it was helping the class. Um, and then you have your, you know, your mainstays for the outlaws, Kalamazoo, Toledo, Flat Rock, uh, South Bend, New Paris. How nice is it to really uh, have it spread a little further north into Michigan and, and have some of these events at tracks that really have had, haven't had events in quite a while. Yeah, Rich, I, I think that's an exciting thing. You know, like I said, for me as an outlaw driver, it's where I've put my focus. I haven't, I haven't been able to venture to a lot of racetracks. Um, you know, opportunities haven't always presented themselves for, for tracks to hold races for us. Uh, tough group of guys. You know, I think the outlaw, the, the group of drivers we have are becoming more acceptable of the traveling, which is great. Uh, you know, I think the drivers are all really trying to push to show that we'll go support other races as long as the rules make sense and the packages are all put together similar to what we're running. The, the tracks, I think, have done a good job in the recent years trying to get on a closer playing field. The, 
more similar playing field from track to track, which has certainly helped too. Well, that was you led me. You walked me right into one of the things I wanted to ask you about, and, and that is getting toward a more consistent rules package across our region. Uh, I don't understand what the hangup has been over the past couple of years, but I think, and we talked about this. I talked about this with somebody over the weekend that until the world ends, the argument in racing is going to be about tires. Doesn't matter what division, doesn't matter what surface you're racing on, the argument's going to be about tires, and it feels like we might be almost at a common ground for outlaws on that specific subject. Yeah. The, the tire, the tire battles, I guess I'm, I don't get hung up into, you know, if it's a slick, if it's a treaded tire, if it's a groove tire, as long as we're on a good race tire, I'm happy. Um, you know, it, I don't mind tires that fall off that don't, that I don't get to run more than one week, but, but for the series, for the group, you know, a lot of guys want to, for budgets, you know, being able to run a set of tires for two nights, two weeks is a, is a big thing. Uh, so, you know, there's got to be some support there. The tracks have to kind of play that game of uh, play the educated guess of what their group of drivers want and prefer. Uh, at the same time, I think tire manufacturers are trying to give us tires that race well and, and are able to run multiple weeks on. So, um, you know, I think the rules package in general, the more consistent and even we get, the better we'll be. The the template guys, you know, they get the benefit of, of groups like CRA in this area in the past series kind of leading the charge of, of having the consistent rules package that the tracks can then adapt. Uh, you see the same thing in the dirt world. You know, you have UMP who sanctions modifieds and late models for rule packages and IMCA. Uh, and tracks can just kind of buy into those rules. And we haven't had that in the outlaw world yet. So it's nice to see the tracks starting to work together better and try to get on more consistent pages. And, you know, in recent years, Adam, uh, you know, it's been feast or famine for the outlaws. You either have a bunch of races or or you don't have a lot. Um, and now this year, I'd be remiss if I didn't bring up uh, Reveal the Hammer. I mean, Donnie Klotz and his team uh, putting together a series. Um, and I know you, you know, you're tight with those guys and know all a lot about that. Um, tell me how exciting that is for the outlaw guys. I'm excited for that series. Um, you know, it, it's a little different than what the Spartan group is doing. Uh, the Reveal the Hammer series, they're, they're going to allow the big 10 inch slicks, the 3035s and 3045s, I believe it is, uh, which is your, you know, that that's the big draw slick from, you know, kind of the, the late 90s, early 2000s when everybody thought out was, you know, big 10-inch slicks that just really gave it everything you could. Um, you know, the like I said, that kind of goes into that group of two different sides to the outlaw world. You know, your weekly guys uh, are, are wanting tires that last and repeat. Uh, your big draw events, some of those guys just need the tire to put on the best show possible uh, and want the fastest things possible. So, you know, excited to see what those guys do with the reveal of the hammer and, and how that series grows, uh, giving us an opportunity, giving out us an opportunity to go to some neat racetracks they haven't been to uh, in a long time. So, you know, I, I think it'll be fun. I think we're going to try to follow that some uh, between that and Spartan with their, with their big eight series. Uh, you know, that puts a, puts a busy summer together and, throw in Kalamazoo Speedway and some South Bend races, uh, you know, Toledo's on the schedule. So 
it should be a fun year for outlaws. And I wanted to talk to you about Toledo. You know, you you've you've come down and support the Glass City 200 uh, the last couple of years, and really uh, last year in a very shortened season where they found out they didn't find out late till they were going to be able to run that event. A pretty good car count. Uh, you think we're maybe we can get uh, on the way back up to the car counts at the Glass City 200 back when they were in the 30s and 40s? Boy, I'd, I'd, I'd like to think so. Um, you know, unfortunately, I didn't have much to do with the Glass City 200 back when the car counts were that high. Um, you know, it'd take a little bit of looking into how many weekly races were run at the Toledo Speedway during that time. You know, one of the things that the outlaw cars have struggled with at tracks, you know, when you talk about one-offs here and there, uh, it, it's tough to justify the cost and efforts we put into these cars to only get to run them, uh, you know, two, three times at a racetrack. Um, you know, unless there, unless there's a series that you can travel with, you know, I know I push for the weekly guys, man, as many more races you can give any class, you know, the better off, I think the class is for getting car count and draw. Now you mentioned earlier about the template guys and, and them having a sanction, uh, several sanctioning bodies that they can race with. And you also talked about, um, that you had spent some time in some other cars as we talk with Adam Terry. What did you like so much about Outlaw Cars? Why did your heart land there? Um, and, and why is that where you've stayed these past few years? Uh, part of it for me is that's that's what I, you know, my brother raced in the mid-90s. My dad owned several cars throughout the mid-90s or mid-late 90s, you know. And then when we transferred over to the template stuff with my brother, that was more traveling. Uh, so when I got back into racing, driving myself, um, and running a business, you know, that kept me, kept me kind of grounded towards home. I, I didn't have the time or resources to travel a lot. Um, so, you know, I've, I've enjoyed just being the local, being a local star, I guess, local racer that, you know, I don't have to worry about traveling five, six hours to go find a racetrack. And I've seen some videos, uh, and I, and you'll have to refresh my memory, but, uh, I didn't know if it was at new Paris or South Bend, but, uh, you had a template car that you were running down there. Uh, I don't know if it was last year, but 2019 as well. It weren't, didn't you? Uh, we've had a template car at Kalamazoo before. Um, now myself, I haven't been in a template car in several years. Uh, we've got a sportsman car we're working on getting finished up. So, you know, we've, we've got guys out there that we helped that are in, in those cars and in those classes. Uh, but myself, it's been several years since I've been in a template car. Uh, probably the last place I raced a template car outside of Kalamazoo would have been uh, Plymouth Speedway. Now, you mentioned other guys that you help, and you also mentioned running a business. Uh, t- tell me a little bit about what it is that you do. Duco Performance is, is, your little, uh, is one of your little childs, if we'll call that, as far as the business end of things. Tell me what you've got going on. Uh, so Duco Performance, uh, that is a, a series of products that we developed and offer uh, for race cars. Uh, you know, it's my... I, my manufacturing shop at GT Products builds parts for a lot of people uh, in the racing industry and outside the racing industry. Uh, it's a manufacturing shop. Duco Performance uh, started kind of when we developed our air jack systems for the cars uh, as a way to offer the racer, you know, a quality product at a at what I consider a fair price. Uh, you know, there, there's lots of guys out there that offer that build parts. Uh, there's just certain things we think we can do a little better than, than some others. So, 
Well, and uh, and this is a great thing too, and and I I want folks to be able to uh, to to check this out. DucoPerformance.com is a good place to go, and and. Uh, Adam, you got some really cool stuff going on there right now. Um, the Airjax thing, man, that stuff is pretty cool, that technology. I love seeing that when all of a sudden, I remember the first time, Rich, I watched somebody take their air hose out of their trailer and plug it into their car, and I thought, what is going on here? And then, vroom, vroom, man, that thing was in the air. That, that's some pretty cool technology, Adam. Yeah, that was a fun project to develop. You know, some of it came out of the need for for myself. I don't have a big crew of guys. Um you know, in a lot of races, it's my, my father, myself, and one crew guy going with us. Uh, so, you know, the ability not to wear, wear crew members out uh, is a big thing for me, you know, to keep my guys fresh. It's, this is uh, some racing to me is, is kind of like a golf league, you know, where man, I'm not going to go walk 18 holes. I'll take the card if it's available. So <laughs> <laughs> now I got, now I, I have can make to it a little easier, we will. Absolutely. Now I, I have to ask you, um, 20 months, uh, since a, a, a super late model race was held at Kalamazoo Speedway, you are still the defending champion. Um, <laughs> that's a, that's a pretty cool deal, isn't it? Uh, yeah, I get to, I get to enjoy the, the defending track champion honors for, I guess, two years running, you could say, uh, you know, one time track champion, two years of time. Hey, that sounds all right to me. Yeah. Uh, you know, we're going to be back there uh, this year. Uh, certainly looking forward to the Intimidator there, see if we can back up and become a repeat winner on that. So Now, what are your plans this year? Are you going to run for a championship anywhere? I mean, as we mentioned throughout this whole interview, there's a lot of choices uh, for, for you this season. There's a lot of choices. I think that makes it a little tougher. Uh, I think early in the season, there's, you know, most everything's spread out. There's not a lot of overlap. Between series or events, I, I give the tracks and the series a lot of credit for that, for, for not laying big races on top of each other throughout the year. Uh, you know, I, I think as the season progresses, our our plans may change a little bit. Right now, our folks will be Kalamazoo uh, weekly on the Friday shows, and as well as their big premier events, their Clash and the Intimidator. Uh, you know, we're going to try to venture out with the – with the reveal the hammer series to Berlin and uh, potentially go to Anderson with those guys and Owasso, I believe they're heading to. So head to a few of their races and, and just try to hit as many of the big ones as we can and kind of fill in the weekly stuff as, as available. Adam, if you hadn't won that championship in 2019, would your outlook be a little bit different to where, yes, I am definitely going to stay for every race at, at Kalamazoo or does that, 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 uh, kind of make it difficult for you because you already have one no no i don't think it makes it difficult you know um our goal when we go to the racetrack is to show up and win uh i, I haven't the the points racing is a different beast when you decide you're racing for the championship you you need to approach everything from qualifying to how you race you know week in week out differently uh i like to show up and you know we're there to win uh, regardless of what the race is and the event you know our goal is to show up and win. Uh, so, you know, I don't know if, if the championship on 19 will have much impact on my decisions as the year goes on, uh, as far as where we go race and what we do, but, you know, I'm just excited for the year and the choices that we do get to have this year. 
Well, Adam, it's been a pleasure to chat with you. Glad to finally get you on the show. And, uh, man, good luck this season. We'll look for you Friday night at Corrigan Oil Speedway, formerly Spartan Speedway, up in Mason, Mason Michigan. And uh, we'll have to swing by and talk to you this weekend. That'd be great. Look forward to seeing you guys. Adam Terry drives the number four Duco Performance Outlaw Late Model. See him this season at uh, Pavement Tracks, where Outlaw Late Models can be found all season long. The Late Model Challenge Series is back Friday and Saturday, April 30th and May 1st. This season, $13,000 is on the line to become a Challenge Series champion. Will the Ionia outlaw Travis Stemmler become a repeat champion, or will someone else grab the prize? The All-Star Performance Late Model Challenge Series, supported by Soaring Eagle Casino and Resort, kicks off Friday, April 30th at Tri-City Motor Speedway for $5,000 to win before going to Merritt Speedway Saturday night for another chance at five grand. Tickets are available at the gate with the green flag flying at 7.30 Friday night and 7 p.m. Saturday. The Late Model Challenge Series, the best in Michigan late model racing. Rich, continuing the super late model portion of our program, which has pretty much been the whole show. A lot of super late model racing going on around the region, and it includes a, a gentleman that we haven't talked to in a while, but we're excited to bring him back on. Yeah, now we're going to jump over to the dirt side, get off the pavement. Uh, he was a two-time American Ethanol Late Model Tour champion. Uh, he drives the Thoroughby Automotive Corgan Race Fuels M14. And Zachy's had a pretty good start to 2020, uh, all considering. He makes his home in Traverse City. Brennan Thoroughby, welcome to Horsepower Happenings. Thanks for having me, guys. Man, to start off, I have to ask you, um, after a season like you had last year, with your health and your injuries, uh, doesn't it feel pretty good the way you're running so far uh, in the first couple of weeks? Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> the second place Friday was like a win, that's for sure. But uh, no, it's uh, like you said, I think I raced about a dozen times and typically I'm on the track about 50. So, yeah, it's uh, definitely good to get back in the swing of things. And, and, and for and, and, oh, well, I was going to say, for those who don't remember, <clears throat> uh, Brandon, real quick, what what was that? series of events that happened last year that sidelined you i mean it seemed like it was one thing after another yeah we uh well the the whole covid deal kind of shortened up the beginning of the season and basically once we got rolling i was involved in an accident at Merritt speedway where i broke both my wrists so i was out a while there and then i actually had a uh, uh abscess tooth that actually ended up putting me in the in the hospital for a few days and then uh yeah i was done racing after that for the rest of the season now to be honest um you know you mentioned a, a second play fit, place finish almost feeling like a win but uh if it wasn't for some ill-timed cautions um you probably would have been able to pick up that first win of 2021 because your car looked that good yeah 40 the uh you know, it's just uh, one of those deals. Sometimes the cautions help you, sometimes they hurt you, and just happened to be one of the times that it wasn't in our favor. But uh, either way, you know, just uh, racing with Travis and Greg, they're both fast too. So, you know, it just, it's racing. <laughs> and also, it's got to feel pretty good. You know, you're performing pretty good at tracks that you don't normally run at every single week, and you haven't even got to the tracks um, that you guys typically perform well. Yeah, we uh, will be uh, at a test in tune Friday at Tri City. We actually picked up a new race car this year. I haven't ran yet. We're we're running uh, one of the older chassis so far this year. So it'll be exciting to uh, to get into uh, the new car and then, like you said, tracks that that we typically race at. 
Now give us the breakdown. Uh, you, you've mentioned it, and we've seen teasers of it, and I was so excited to go to Winston a couple of weeks ago and quote-unquote meet this new race car, and then I saw that uh, we didn't have the new race car unloaded at Winston and broke my heart a little bit. So what do you have stuffed away in the box ready to go here in a couple of weeks? What are we What are we getting ready to debut? Uh, we've got a, a brand-new Longhorn we picked up uh, the end of March. We were actually planning on leaving there. And then we went to uh, Willie's Carbon Dino Shop and, and got it all dynoed and tuned up, and we were heading to LaSalle. We left Willie's that morning, heading to LaSalle for practice, and it actually canceled. So we haven't had really a, a practice session. I just kind of want to shake the car down first before we, we take it out and race. What was the uh, what was the leading factor, I guess, or, or take me through the thought process to – uh, make a chassis change, right? This is a change in chassis altogether, not just a new chassis, mm -hmm. but you're changing manufacturers as well. Yeah, I mean, nothing really in particular. I just, one of those deals where, you know, we just got, there's so many of those uh, XR1s up here. I thought I'd try something different. We still have two of those, but, and there's no ill will towards Rocket. They've been, they've been great to us and still are, and there's no bad blood or anything like that. So it's just, uh, it's, I guess a change of pace. And you know, that's I was gonna I was gonna say it's kind of unique. You know, Rocket's pretty popular, uh, you know, up here in Michigan. But uh, you know, the four car, the forty two, and now you, um, some Longhorns that you got to race every week. Yeah, I wasn't even aware that uh, Chad was getting one until we basically picked ours up. But actually, the fourth one, Dave Baker, um, so be, and actually Dave. Travis and myself typically park, you know, right next to each other at every track we go to. Uh, Dave actually came and helped me the last couple of weeks in, in the pit area and everything. So uh, him and uh, his crew chief, Andrew, have been coming with me and they're good people. And like I said, all, all three of us always park next to each other. So is that a situation pretty good? And, and is that a situation, Brandon, where, you know, I think the common fan would see you guys as fierce competitors on the track. Um, but is that a situation where you three park together, have, have new to you chassis or, or maybe, uh, you know, somebody has more laps on a chassis than somebody else. Are you guys sharing notes over there or is it still kind of, uh, you know, I, I really do want to still beat you on the racetrack. So I'm not going to give you everything that I know. Yeah. I mean, even, even like when Travis had his XR one, you know, when he had that out and we both did, I mean, we bounce things off of each other, but the way Travis drives, the way I drive and the way Dave drives are all happy to be three totally different things. And I actually jumped in Dave's car at Merritt one night for practice and, you know, things that he liked and things I didn't like just right away. You could tell just, you know, driver style and preference definitely plays a huge factor into what you put underneath the race car. And the other thing too about that is there are so many things that you can change on these race cars, Brandon, that even, even if somebody did share a lot of the notebook with you, um, you know, as you said, the way that you, the way that you drive that setup could be completely different than the way that they're going to drive it as well. So I think that's just what's so unique about late model racing right now. And on top of that, all three of us actually, yeah, we have the same, uh, you know, Longhorn chassis, but all three of us are on three different shock packages where I'm on the, uh, the Bill Steins, uh, Travis is on the Fox and Dave will be on Penske's. The science in this sport, man, it just, it absolutely blows my mind sometimes. Yep. Now, um, 
I got to talk to you. The the All-Star Performance Late Model Challenge Series, uh, last year, it's an inaugural season. Um, You know, you had to miss some of that. But, you know, Mike did a heck of a job with that. And, boy, he's throwing some money out there for you guys here in 2021. Yeah, that's uh, the only thing we're really committed to this year is, is that series. Don't really have any any you know penciled in dates or anything like that at this point. Just you know follow that series and just kind of hit and miss and jump around here and there. But yeah, Mike's definitely thrown some money at it. That's for sure. And then uh, my girlfriend Leah, her father's memorial race. I couldn't believe thirty three thousand to win. That's <laughs> some huge money there, and it pays back. And she always does a good job. You know with you know, other parts of the race to put more money towards it. Yeah. And we're talking about the Dan Soleil Memorial that's going to happen at Woodtick, uh, like it, like it has la- like it did last year. And there's still going to be more money thrown in there. That 33,000 was, you know, that was, that was Mike's thing. And, and you guys, and really Leah, you know, we, we talked to her last year. She really puts in an all out effort to, to really make that show a success. Yeah. You know, like I've told other people, as much as she puts in, you know, in one night, just her additions to the race would be a, you know, a decent purse alone for, for a night in late model racing in Michigan. So, yeah, between what she does and what Mike's, you know, put into everything, you know, it's going to be another huge deal again this year. So you mentioned it. Uh, the only thing you're really committed to is the All-Star Performance Late Model Challenge Series, supported by Soaring Eagle Casino and Resorts. Uh, got to get it all out there at one point. Um, <laughs> you just got to get it in there once. Now, when when we talk about that, obviously it sounds like the goal for you, Brandon, is going to be a championship. And it's going to be run under a format this year that you are used to. How confident are you going into the season that you could possibly walk away with the championship? Yeah, you always got to have confidence. And I think like we spoke about before last year, um, between my boat racing and my car racing, ever since I was 12 years old, you know, we've won a points championship, whether it be, you know, ALMS or track championships or ethanol in the car racing. And then, you know, national championships, high point championships, and and then world championships in the boat racing. So last year was, you know, just, you know, circumstances, but no, it's definitely our goal every year. We, we try to uh, you know, narrow something down and go for the championship. So as we mentioned, uh, and we talked about this, I believe, during last week's show, Mike has announced that he's going to adopt the old American Ethanol Points system for that, uh, which is different from the way that it was going to run last year with, uh, you know... How much did Brandon pay him, pay him to do that? <laughs> <laughs> you know, and last year qualifying had so much weight to it, and that's where I was going, Brandon, is... Are you are you happy? I mean, we assume that you'll be happy and excited about the change in format, or did you like the way it was? What are your thoughts? Well, I mean, I just, you know, overall, I mean, I think it's better, you know, this way. I did. I wouldn't wasn't the only one. I think everybody was kind of kind of on the same page as far as how much it was weighted qualifying. But you know, me, I was actually kind of grinning a little bit because when we had the uh, the ethanol series, I, I believe I'm I have the most. Uh, fast times and track records out of everybody so i was kind of grinning about it at first but then we just you know missed races and didn't really have the best season but you know overall i think this point system is you know more or less like uh you know a national touring series it's like a lucas oil or world of outlaws or even the uh ump national points so actually i think it's 100 percent based off of the ump national points you know system so 
no, I think everybody's more used to and just kind of more familiar with it. And whether it was right, right or wrong the way Mike did it, I mean, you know, he, he changed it to, you know, what the drivers thought was would be better. And I think, you know, in, in any type of racing, Brandon, you think, um, you know, if you're going to win a championship, it should be based on running up front and winning races and not just, um, you know, turning a quick lap, my opinion. Yeah, no, I no, I agree. And I think, you know, the top 10 or 12 drivers that he, that he asked about, you know, or not top 10 or 12, you know, overall, but in the points, he kind of asked us all what we thought. And that's kind of the conclusion we came to. Well, Brandon, I know that uh, we're going to get a chance to catch up with you in the pits this year as uh, possibly some wins come your way. It sounds like we're going to see you a lot for top fives and podium interviews. But uh, let me know who's on the side of that brand new race car that you've got. And folks, when you look for that thing in a couple of weeks, remember you're looking for a white M14, which is something that, Brandon, I don't think we've ever seen you in a white colored race car, have we? I've never had a white race car. Oh my gosh. Yeah, (laughs) we got a different car and I decided we'd do something different but now i just uh throw the automotive and then you know all of the employees i just can't thank all those guys and gals enough for all the hard work they do for us and uh you know just all the support they i mean every just like monday every single one of them asking how we're doing and you know so it's just great we've got a great group of guys and gals at all the stores and i just can't thank all of them enough um and then we got fk rod ends corgan race fuels uh, Liz Plater, five star realty, and uh, we got Bill Steen shocks on the side of the car too. And you know what I think? My opinion is I think they made a change on that race team, Zach. Brandon doesn't have to clean the car this year, so that's why they went with white. <laughs> yeah. yeah, one other one too. Willie's Carbon Dino Shop, big Will down there. He's a he's a great guy, and he does good work. Well, Brandon, we're looking forward to getting the season started, and as we mentioned earlier in the show, it starts one week later than we thought. The regular season is not going to start this weekend at Meriden Tri-City, but it'll start with Challenge Series races the following weekend, April 30th and May 1st, and so we're, we're looking forward to that. Good luck with your test this weekend, and we'll see you soon. All right, thanks, guys. That's Brandon Thoroughly, driver of the M14 Super Dirt Late Model uh, here in the state of Michigan. Look for him at the Merritt and uh, Tri-City Challenge Series this season. And that'll just about do it here tonight from Horsepower Happenings, a very uh, jam-packed program. Again, don't forget uh, to look for the social media post about uh, the the uh, Did You Know program with Gary Lindahl. That will be on our Facebook page exclusively. So look for the post, submit your answers, be entered for a chance to win some fabulous prizes uh, from uh, some of our supporters of that as well. And Rich, another busy weekend of racing is coming up this weekend. Yeah, Zach, and as we know, we'll hit it first uh, this Friday night, uh, Corrigan Oil Speedway opening night, Unleashed, NorthsideTowing.net, Big 8 uh, Super Late Model Series presented by Auto Value Parts Stores, event number one, $4,000 to win for the Outlaws, uh, Modifieds, Late Model Sportsman, Pure Stock, Front Wheel Drive Bandos will also be in action, Pits will open at 3 p.m., Grandstands at 5, and we'll get everything started on the racetrack at 7.30 p.m. And then on uh, Friday as well, Winston Speedway will be back in action. We talked to you about their results earlier in the show. Uh, They'll do the same card again. Late models, IMCA, Modifieds, uh, Pro Late Models, Street Stocks, Cyber Stocks, Warriors, Mini Wedges, all taking place Friday night. Opening the gates at 5 o'clock. Racing begins at 7.30. And we'll keep it on the dirt, Zach, for I-96 Speedway. A non-wing challenge night. That means no sprint cars are going to be at I-96 Speedway. But late models, uh, IMCA, Modified Street Stocks, Cyber Stocks, 
and mini wedges all this Friday night at I-96 Speedway. And actually what uh, that is, is that's the non-wing sprint car variety that's going to be there paired up with late models. So uh, you'll get a chance to see both divisions in action in the same place. Yep, gates open at 5, Zach, and racing kicks off at 8 p.m. at I-96. Then on Saturday, we head to the pavement. Berlin Raceway going to be back in action with their super late models, limited late models as well as four cylinders and mini wedges. This will be an afternoon show, remember. Gates open at 2 o'clock, racing begins at 4, and they'll have specials, uh, specials rather at the concession stand all night long. $2 beers and dollar hot dogs, Zach. <laughs> Which is going? <laughs> what else is happening on Saturday? Uh... Back to Springport, Springport Mid-Michigan Speedway. Outlaw Super Late Models uh, make their first appearance of 2021 over in Springport. Late Model Sportsman, Street Stocks, Port Stocks, Mini Wedges. Uh, gates will open at 2 p.m., and racing will kick off at 6.45 on Saturday at Springport. And while we uh, keep the Saturday in mind, let's go back to dirt racing. Thunderbird Raceway will be back in action on Saturday. Late Models, IMC Modifieds, Pro Late Models, Street Stocks, Cyber Stocks, Warriors, and Mini Wedges. We assume if they can get that track ready to go. I know that we, they have some t some hard times uh, with retaining water there on uh, Thunderbird, and we know what the weather forecast looks like this week, so hopefully everything is thawed out and ready to go. And then also on Saturday, Rich, the Great Lakes Super Sprints are back in action for their first-ever appearance at Wayne County Speedway down in Ohio, so we're looking forward to making that trip and getting Great Lakes Super Sprints back in action for the second week in a row. Going to be a lot of fun to do that as well. Man, racing everywhere. And uh, don't forget Test and Tunes Friday and Saturday at um, Tri-City and Merritt Speedway. And you'll also be busy on Saturday as well with a Test and Tune at Flat Rock. Yep, they'll get things started. And we're almost there, Zach. A couple more weeks and we'll have everybody open, which will be really nice. And then... This list will be uh, a segment in itself, I think, uh, in a couple of more weeks. And we shouldn't we shouldn't forget to mention either. We'd be remiss if we didn't mention Salem Speedway. They have a massive show coming up on Sunday, April 25th. It's the uh, Arca CRE Super Series, the JEG CRE All-Stars Tour, and the uh, Van Hoy Oil CRA Street Stocks all in action at Salem Speedway this coming Sunday, April 25th. By the way, if you uh, want a chance to maybe meet one of your former NASCAR fan uh, stars, I should say, Ken Schrader, will be running a street stock at this event on Sunday at Salem. So that'll be a cool one to get out there and go to. I think I might make the trip down to Salem on Sunday and catch this program. So that's what's going on, a full weekend of racing, and it's just going to get busier as well. So uh, our appreciation to Adam Terry for joining us. Thanks to Gary Lindahl for getting Did You Know on Horsepower Happenings. And thanks to Brandon Thurlby for joining us, even though he's feeling a little under the weather. We appreciate getting a chance to talk to him. For Scott Medlin, who pays the bills, for Rich France, my co-host, I'm Zach Heiser, thanking you for tuning in to Horsepower Happenings. We'll talk same time, same place next week. And we'll see you Friday for the Big 8 Outlaw Late Model Show at Corrigan Oil Speedway on Friday, then Great Lakes Super Sprints on Saturday. Have a good week. You've been listening to Horsepower Happenings. Catch up on past episodes by logging on to horsepowerhappenings.com. And be sure to tune in next week to keep up on what's happening.